Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Frivolous Gravitas. Uh, this week, we will be talking about awareness. And that is the issue of getting the word out. So raising awareness for things like cancer, your health, political awareness of issues that are dear and near and dear to all of our hearts, uh, whether it be, you know, a lack of water or a bridge to certain reserves that may desperately need it or, um, you know, disaster relief in areas uh, hit by fire or flood, or even um, the, the need for a new community center in your local, uh, in your neighborhood, or um, the need for, you know, rink res renovations uh, in your small town. Now, if you're in Canada, this is actually very important, but uh, for all our uh, non-Canadian viewers, um, so we're going to be talking about raising awareness, specifically when it's appropriate, when it's not, um, and when it's just, when is it just news or when is it just a commercial or when is it actually, you know, something that we need to know about. I think we'll start with Chris, but I, I think one thing that we could start with is seeing as how awareness is just kind of getting information to people. Um, it might be interesting to look back a bit, but... Um, well, before you yeah. get started, if I, if I may, <laughs> sorry, <clears throat> um, just for the Stay. introductions or whatever, in case you're new to the channel, this is uh, Christopher driver. And with me here is my delightful co-host Jordan I'm Roy. Still a bit loopy. So bear with me. <laughs> we're, we're actually both a bit loopy today. So it's going to be a loopy episode, mm -hmm. but, um, maybe you could start us off with some of the history of, um, types uh, or mediums of purveying information that sort of made raising awareness even feasible to begin with, um, namely the printing press and yeah. distributing written materials. Well, even before the printing press, a lot of information was what people and authorities that the, the, the local authorities, so the nobility, um, the priests or the uh, town crier. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. So you eventually you get a town crier because you know you get a um, which actually was what I was going to get to. <laughs> Reading my mind. Sorry, it's, like, <laughs> it's almost like I knew what the show was about before. We, we don't started. need awareness if we can read each other's minds. Um, but uh, <laughs> so we, um, you can't really. The king's not going to go out and make a speech every single time something happens. So he sends out someone to cry the or to cry the word out of the local news you know uh your glorious king has gone and slain many in the holy land and is now bringing honor and coming back to you know blah 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 or um the pox has been seen in the local village do not you know see anyone from there or our favorite taxes are increasing yes <laughs> Well, sometimes it's just a knock at the door from the tax collector going, guess what? <laughs> Surprise. Um, and then tea gets thrown in the harbor. And then uh, Robin Hood becomes a sensation. Yeah. <laughs> Funny that. Um, so um, I think one of the best examples of this uh, sort of thing is in the, if you watch the TV series Rome from way back when there's uh, that guy, he just, a fantastic in, series. he's just in the thing and he's doing the oration. And that was very specific, like rhetorical gestures that they were doing, but that's essentially what would have been done. And you would have had, um, behind him, you could actually see the, 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 um, the calendar of the city, which was also a way of getting information out. And this was pretty much 
the way of getting the news out. And then you also had word of mouth. You had the grapevine, which is still in existence. Um, <laughs> it'll never die. Um, <clears throat> and this was one of the main ways of getting it over. The other way, of course, was um, kind of a speaker's corner thing. So you grab a box, you stand up, and you just start yelling. I think this, rah, 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 rah. most of these people are just kind of, um, you know, people that just need to yell and talk. But sometimes you get someone, um, there's a couple of these in the Bible, I think, um, for our religious viewers, just put in the comments if you recognize this, but they just start preaching. Even here in Edmonton, if you go in White Ave every once in a while, there's some Christians preaching fire and brimstone, uh, which kind of misses the point of Christianity. But you get those downtown Winnipeg here too. Yeah, you will all die, and they're really nice. But then they, what they're t- telling you about is all evil. In London, I believe there's a park there where you can. It's like traditional for that's where the place where you do that, and people will go out and do YouTube esque stuff like what we're doing right now, out in public. You know, they grab your soapbox and you go and say stuff. And so a lot of this happened in the political sphere too, where you just go out and you raise awareness of your party's political thing. Um, famously, um, you get people like um, certain Schmadolf Schmittlers uh, who would uh, go to a you know a pub or a coffee house and they just every night they'd hold a, a rally to convince the local people. This wasn't always useful because sometimes local people were already drunk. Sometimes the piano would be playing over them. Sometimes people would be talking over them. Sometimes, a lot of times nobody listens. So you, you kind of have to have some oomph that gets people to pay attention to you saying what they want to hear kind of stuff too. The theatrics of it to get people engaged. That yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> my, my, yeah. So. British knee is the finest knee. Um, watch Jeeves and Wooster. There's a good Hitler parody in that show. <laughs> it's just, yeah, anyway. Um, so this still happens, but there's in the middle, late Middle Ages in the Renaissance, um, there was an invention that kind of threw all this out the window, and that was a Gutenberg press. The first thing they obviously printed with it was a Bible. But eventually, once the technology, once people saw it and were like, well, of course, that's something that we can all just make. It just made sense. You know, you put a typeface, you just stamp it down with ink, and then all of a sudden you can just stamp, stamp, stamp as much ink and paper as you have. That's it. That's all. And so people started investing in these. And as it became more and more common, you get people throwing pamphlets out. And these pamphlets became a huge uh, mess method of um raising awareness on every single asinine issue in the early modern period exactly in the same way that youtube is right now um people like us um who you know you'd have a little frivolous gravitas pamphlet and we'd be like here's what i think and then we'd be putting it out and then we'd like hand it out in bars and stuff or we'd spread it out or we'd have um you know give it to all our friends and stuff and um, a lot of times these would, you know, the nobility and the upper classes didn't really understand what was going on. So they'd squash them. Um, there wasn't really much free speech, but this was something that you couldn't really control. You know, it's a, it's a piece of paper and, you know, you, you can pass it to someone and nobody's looking and all of a sudden they have been made aware of something that they, of information that they wouldn't have had to begin with. Now, 
this is one element of awareness, you know, knowing something that you're not supposed to know. But now it's assumed kind of that it's not that you're not supposed to know it. It's that you don't know it because you just haven't seen it yet. So we'll probably get into that a bit later. Now, this was pretty much the norm as uh, you can say, oh, well, we got typewriters and, you know, all this stuff. And then we had uh, printers and stuff like that. But that was all pretty much the same thing. You're just elaborations on the pamphlet. A book is still just a big old pamphlet, even though it's a codex instead of a, a leaf. But um, and so once it you democratize the written word, it becomes a lot harder to control your populace. And they all of a sudden want things like rights, free speech. And then they want to be heard too. So now they yeah. have opinions on things that and they, they want, want like to project. Yeah, they want things like food. And if you put a pamphlet out, you can raise awareness of stuff like the peasants are very, very hungry. And mm -hmm. then, you know, the, the king's like, oh, well, don't worry about it. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. They are very hungry and therefore very angry pamphlet. So pamphlet. you can hear them. And then they're like, okay, yeah. So, well, you know, let them eat cake. Well, you better listen because, you know, they're trying to raise awareness. But this was pretty much, so this brought a lot of positive social change over a long period of time. Um, and is, you can see it as one of the main causes of uh, progress, progress in society. But that's getting completely off track. Um, now, as we get closer to the present day, you get things like television where, you know, motion pictures, you have pictures that are democratized now that come out to everybody. And for a lot of time, it was really bad. <laughs> very, very bad. Cause a lot of times, um, think, um, good night and good luck, uh, with Moreau where, um, they just assumed the populace was foolish. So they created a lot of 40 years of just, um, really bad television that just didn't take their audience's seri intelligence seriously. And, uh, but now we know that we can inform people and we can let them think. So with the digital coming around, all of a sudden everyone has a say, everyone wants to try and be as smart as possible. And, but the thing is, is that everyone has an issue. So the word and the the spoken word and the and the written word and the and the, the the picture are now completely democratized. We can get all this information out as as uh, easily as you can upload it. Um, like before, to get this out, we would have needed a TV station and then rights and then you know uh, big broadcast. ass antennas. <laughs> we need to like put go on our knees to the uh, CRT uh, C CRTC and uh, you know maybe they'd give us a second thought. But now we can just put it up. Um, and so we can raise awareness to anyone that's willing to give us a click and not mute us. That's it. Now, you couldn't mute a town crier, but now we're all competing for attention. So we all have our little issues that we want to raise awareness of. But the problem is, a lot of that is uh, not worth talking about. So you, we talked earlier uh, before in our preamble that we didn't record. There's a, there's a couple things that we keep seeing that 
um, that everyone's kind of trying to raise awareness for now. Everyone wants to have their little interest be the most important uh, thing that they're portraying over these mediums. Um, and we see these a lot. You get ones like health, with the cancer, um, political causes. Um, what are the kind? Of, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, I feel like there's a well, couple others. We'll, we'll yeah. get into that after. I think maybe to start off, we'll just discuss like what we're talking about by raising awareness. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, go. Cool. What do you so mean we're by- not we're not just speaking strictly of like medical causes or political things like any type of raising awareness sort of counts. Um, so the the obvious low low lying fruit that we'll we'll pluck is like funding. Anytime you need funding, you need to tell people with money that they should donate some of their money towards something that's worthwhile and a just cause. Um, for health conditions, for specific things like um, that require screening or treatment for which there are things available, or like raising awareness for a vaccine that we can verifiably prove works and is useful and beneficial to humanity. Um, those types of raising awareness sort of um, is what most people think. I know I do is the first thing I think of when I hear raising awareness, but there are all kinds of subtle ways we do it too, in the way that we socialize children by making them aware that elderly people are frail and can be knocked over if you push them. Don't play in traffic. Um, Yeah, don't play in traffic. Heavy vehicles can kill you. (laughs) They don't always see you because you're small. Uh, There's the raising awareness though of like people's feelings and in the gender debates and the identity politics that's really prevalent in today's uh, politosphere, which is unfortunate, but also necessary, but not to the degree that they're I going. It wasn't so contradictory. It's like, you need to feel like this. Okay. You need to feel like this. It's like, wait, um, no, hold on. I'm, I'm just going to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all kinds of raising awareness and that includes even in literature and opinion pieces we read and articles that are about things that's, you know, completely as, as innocuous as like changing the rules of a sport. You know, for everybody watching the sport to understand what's going on when the rules change, you need to raise awareness for it. And that type of raising awareness makes the game more fun to everybody watching because they're not confused. Like the the funniest thing is watching the Olympics and you hear like the commentators not know the rules to the sport that they're commentating on. Or wondering why it's like, come on, that was icing. It's like, wait, no, there's a line. There's a change. It's like, but all right, fine. (laughs) Or the uh, uh, NBCSN when they report on um, the premier league, it's just so funny because they can't, they, they, they don't seem to recognize offside and they're always shocked when the, the ref blows the whistle and they have no idea why. <laughs> oh, maybe there was a foul up. Oh, offside. Oh, okay. It's like everybody watching it knows what the rules are. <laughs> so that type of raising awareness is important too, so that everybody's on the same page when we're all working together at achieving a goal, but also when we're all working together at just having entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all part and parcel. We're all on the same page. Yeah. But it kind of kind of get a bit annoying. Um, like sometimes you get like too much awareness. Like get the vaccine. It's like, okay, I'll get the vaccine. There's a vaccine. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it right now. Go, have you got it yet? It's like, yeah, I'm getting it right now. It's like, well, I, you need to get your vaccine. I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. You, have you gotten vaccinated? It's like, could you shut up? Everyone knows about the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> just, and then there's like, don't tell me they that it is a vaccine. Show, just lead me to get it when I don't. <laughs> yeah. 
And from then, they even go further overboard sometimes. And people who absolutely refuse, and you know you're just wasting your breath, but then they turn to like violence and bigotry and bullying and all these like offensive things. Like they you went from a it, subtle nudge of it's encouragement like... to starting to abuse people outright. And it's just like, you know, you cross the line there. Yeah. <laughs> your cause isn't greater than personal sovereignty. I'm sorry. You can't just violate the constitutional or charter of rights just because you think that you have a just cause, because that's not. Raising awareness isn't more important than people's freedom. <laughs> no. Well, then you get stuff like the Cancer Society, too, who raise awareness, but it's kind of dubious as to whether or not they're using their funds properly. <laughs> but you can't argue. It's like, do you hate people with cancer? It's like, uh, I'm uh, no. <laughs> well, that was like with um, the Human Rights Museum. When people objected to the things that were being put on display, they turned it into a big racist thing. And then they started raising awareness for how racist people are for not wanting a display of it. Yeah, yeah, that was... And they're like, no, it's, it's a human rights museum. It should be like <clears throat> distributed amongst all human cultures, not just one specific culture and their rights. The museum you know? has a collection. It's not a museum. It's a gallery. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's just from a like a record keeping uh, public As an history. Archivist. Yeah, <laughs> but so I think that's what we wanted to talk about today too. Is like it's not just the obvious type that we first think of when we think of raising raising awareness, but it's like the public communication in general. Mm -hmm. It's like the PR that we do for everything that is related to other people that requires communication. Um, all of that requires raising awareness. But I, I think where it irks me most is is in the nonsense of it when people have lost sight of their objectives or they never set out their objectives to begin with. That That's even more infuriating to me because they want the pat on the back and the social credit for being party to the the remediation of whatever problem it is that they believe exists. But they don't want to put one iota of thought into how their actions are going about affecting that outcome or that yeah. resolution. Well, it's like changing your, uh, your your Facebook profile picture instead of like actually grabbing a couple people with concrete and actually going out and building a road to that reserve in spite of the government's regulations so people can get there. Mm -hmm. Like it's easy to say we should help. But actually grabbing a bucket and a shovel to go help, it's different. Or like those gardens in the inner city. I see so many people walk by them not wanting to feed the poor. And those same people will go to work saying that we should feed the poor. Like, yeah. wh why don't you just like, you don't have to water all of them. Just water one. Pick one and say, I got this one. <laughs> if everybody did that and they walked by it every day, they wouldn't need to pay um, garden tenders or mm. whatever they call them. Well, the parks that, department. That actually underlies a more complicated because um, a lot of these awareness campaigns do um, they don't um, show the complexity of a lot of these problems so like we need to feed the poor well, yeah people that don't eat we should be eating because we shouldn't be leaving people to die Just basic human like decency there um, but um, people would there were I remember when I was working in Winnipeg uh, serving one thing I noticed is that a lot of the poor people were being given meals and um, because they would hang out in front of the restaurant and they'd be like, hey, man, can you get me some food? I'm on some food. And I'm like, and so every once in a while, a couple times a week, someone would buy one of these uh, homeless people a, a meal. One thing I always noticed, though, and I would just serve them because, you know, they're taking up a table. I might as well do my job. Um, and 
one thing I noticed though is that they never finished their food. And I found that very strange. Um, cause like, I remember like i I was hungry at that time. I remember being like, you know, eat every, you know, every, uh, rice grain in the pot kind of hungry. Uh, like, um, cause I was spending all my money on tuition and rent and stuff like that. So like, that's where I was. I was just like extra condiments at the, uh, at, at the restaurant that, you know, my family's taking me to because I need those calories. <laughs> so that was me. And that was my conception of what it was to be hungry and homeless. And so I didn't understand why, you know, they get a, they get some soup and when they get some stuff, they don't take all the crackers they can and stuff them into their face. And that, to me, I'm not going to make a judgment on that, but like, um, kind of like, uh, you are more appreciative of the things that you earn, blah, blah, blah. That's not the point. The point was, is that it belied a, a lot more complexity than we just need to give, put food in front of these mouths. Um, and that I think awareness misses because it's on TV, 30 second segment of, help the homeless in your, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's all really nice. None of the people involved have probably seen a homeless person in the last week. And they know it's on primetime TV being viewed by people who probably haven't seen homeless people in the last month. And you, and everyone thinks, oh, we need to get more food to these people. It's like, yeah, we do. But there are people working on that and they know the issues but they're too busy actually helping to raise awareness. You know, you get the missions and the, uh, and the halfway houses, uh, what do you, um, the, uh, the shelters, these things who are, there's a lot of people working really hard, but, um, it's the same with cancer. Like we need more money for cancer. It's like the funding in that itself is a very complicated and the, and the awareness campaigns of it do nothing to show you how that money is going and where it, what's what's happening behind that and uh i think you touched on a really good point there too with the media because um <clears throat> i find there's a lot of wastage in raising awareness in the sense that nobody's unaware of homelessness they might be unaware of the severity of the problem the scope of the problem the complexity of the problem but none of the commercials address the scope or the complexity or the scale yeah, it's they just, only say, hey, did you know there are homeless people that we should help? And everybody's like, yeah, I already knew that. <laughs> they, they don't actually accomplish their goal for the tens of thousands of dollars of donation money that they're spending on a commercial to promote awareness. Well, what do they so expect? Because like, you, you think of like the story of Buddha, right? Where he's the first time he sees a uh, sickness and age and death because he hasn't left the palace in forever. Right. And so he leaves the palace and he's like, what the heck is that? And it's like, oh, people die. And he's just like, what? <laughs> oh yeah. And they, uh, they suffer the entire time they're dying and he can't handle it. So he has to, he, it changes him. And that's, I think what they expect, but I don't know what they expect beyond that other than guilt. Um, but it's weird they, to me that they all do it. It's not just like, you know, the food bank does it or, um, Canada harvest or something like that. Like Canada vision. harvest shows commercials with, the volunteers in the commercial, well, they might be actors, but they're showing people that are, you know, stocking warehouses full of canned goods and stuff like yeah. that, right? But that to me, <laughs> not that I've, I do marketing professionally anything, but it, it looks like they've got fully stocked warehouses full of food. It's not encouraging me to donate. 
Do you know what I mean? Like their objectives are skewed from the things that they're projecting out into the world. And then they'll go on the news and they'll have the news report and say Canada harvest is really short of food this year. Or Winnipeg harvest. But the commercials all show them with stocked warehouses and forklifts. But but like if you show like the like I've worked with homeless um, at certain points before. If you show them some of those things, um, you know, that the, the reality of it the the network would take that thing and be like i'm not putting this on air you know i need something family friendly i need something happy and go lucky i need you to make this at once happy and then they try and shock you and everyone's like huh, okay that that looks looks horrifying and indeed with your family being look at we we need more money for winnipeg harvest you can win you know ten thousand dollars it's like that $10,000 seems like it would be put to really good use serving the homeless people or like and that's the flip side of it too though they'll they'll do the exact opposite in other cases where they'll try and sensationalize something that is actually indeed already terrible and cruel and horrible for people and they'll try and blow it up to make it look like hollywood thinking that if they jerk people's tear strings they'll get more uh more of their objective, more money. Well, that's the world vision tactic, you know, the, right. uh, with the flies the on their face where they wait, there's flies the on these kids faces. Like if yeah. all you did was watch world vision commercials, you'd swear that kids just had flies everywhere all the time when they walked around. It's like, I don't want to go to Africa. It's just children just staring at you all the time. Like it's <laughs> yeah, just it's staring like, for no reason. <laughs> it's the creepiest continent. Yeah. Meanwhile, whenever you see a documentary so of people walking through with cameras, all the kids are flocking to them like, oh, a new person. Like, it's yeah. exciting to them. <laughs> yeah, it's like, whoa, look at this white guy. I haven't seen a white guy in a year. The same problem exists, though, blowing things out of proportion and then also minimizing your own ethos <laughs> or mission uh, in, in the way that they portray or project or... In, in the sense of like the town crier, the way they, they their theatrics go about describing yeah. the nature of the issue at hand. And I don't think either of those tactics are actually useful. They might, you might be able to, with metrics, tell, hey, this commercial got me this influx of donations. And you'd be able to see, yeah, it helped. But in the long term, the grand scope of things and people's perceptions that they carry through the rest of their lives if they keep seeing these types of false, um, I don't want to say they're false narratives, but they're misleading. They're intentionally misleading. Yeah, I don't like using uh, the uh, postmodernist rhetoric. It's yeah. too, ba- too much baggage. <laughs> but you're, you're right. It's You have this. There's a long-term well, harm that's caused by that type of desensitization, though. Yeah, like, oh, there's poor people. And it's like, okay. But there's always poor people. And there's been it, poor people all my life. And they've like, been saying that for years. Yeah that's and um well and then you see well there's there's ways to deal with that it's like well there are be there are a lot of people being lifted out of poverty and everyone assumes that oh there's a lot of people working on that but that's the thing there's other people working on that and like um that's the if we're if it's always someone else doing it then it ends up being no one's doing it or a couple of like um what do you call them um actual like true believers those saints that you know uh actually sit down and do the work uh and everyone just assumes that that's the other guy but if everyone assumes that's the other guy then you know it's only one guy doing it 
but they and, don't want to take credit for being part of it by doing the least amount possible. <laughs> yeah. By raising awareness for the cause that's raising awareness improperly for a cause that's genuine, but not getting enough awareness because people are dismissing it based on the way people are raising awareness for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It becomes so, counterproductive over time, even though in the immediate, in the immediacy of now, they do get more funding from commercials. Mm -hmm. The long-term problem with it, with, um, with people just assuming it's always there, like, oh, people are always going to be starving in Africa, or people are always going to be fighting in Israel. Th that's not true. Time has a way of changing things, and look we at, could take look the at Ireland. to change When was the last time, like, Ireland had a had combat with the British. Yeah. And they, they had been stopped <laughs> like, fighting still for hate how, each many, other, how but... many years? <laughs> yeah. Like that wasn't even that long ago, <laughs> like at all. And well, it just started rioting again because of the whole Brexit thing, but <laughs> yeah, but that's a riot. Like everyone's doing that now. It's, it's well, it might blow it... out into war though, because the, the Irish border is really contentious in that whole Brexit thing. Yeah. Because they want to set up a Eurozone uh, customs borders so that they can't like smuggle goods in through Ireland into Europe, like <laughs> just some insane things. We like need that. to raise awareness about the poor Irish mafia that's being hurt by these un, you know, unintentionally evil legislations. Okay, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> let's come back to the desensitization and the and and the dilution of the uh, causes here, um, because one of the things that seems to me that all these causes and uh things have to do with them is that when you when <clears throat> when you get up and you start talking if you are talking with some you know gravitas with some eloquence then you have automatic authority um this is something you notice in class that kid who gets up to the mic and starts talking he's got authority. oh he has he's speaking and that gives you enough authority for people to take you seriously. And so a lot of times if you're on, so it's, it's the same on like television. If you have, if you have like an ad on, uh, on YouTube, people see it. It's like, Oh, it's a, an institution that's, you know, serious enough to have ads on YouTube. I could take out ads on YouTube. I could take out ads on YouTube being like the color blue. Have you seen it lately? You know, go see the color blue at your local sky. And it's just, it's like I could put anything on there. I could That's rent not a blue. It's green. Yeah. So <laughs> our <Yeah>. culture, <laughs> but uh, the and so this authority is something that's definitely abused. You get people like um, and when you, it's not just that you get up and speak, and all of a sudden you're the one speaking. But you have you trap yourself in um, the aesthetic of competence, so you, you make yourself look, and so you get something like Cancer Society, where they have like a logo that's you know designed and clean and you know uh, tested, and then they have all these things. They have T-shirts and they have you know spokesmen. They have offices, but how much of that money actually goes to cancer research? Very little, but. They look important. They seem important. They act important. Well, it's things like that too. Like the, the disabilities group, uh, organizations that are nonprofit and they, they really are well intentioned and these people really are trying to help disabled people. But if you go to their website, you know, they spent a bunch of money on it and nowhere can you change the text size. They've got text embedded into images. So if you have trouble seeing, I mean, good luck. You can't even get an e-reader or something to read it for you because it's not in text. They put it, they embedded it into the image. 
So like stuff like that, where they just didn't actually consider the people it's supposed to be helping. That website's supposed to be there to help connect disabled people to the resources they need. And it only works for people who aren't disabled. Like, <laughs> And they paid for it. They could have just had some high school student do it or somebody in, in university who, who needed a project to do for school. They could have just donated a free website that was just functional and legible and scalable with just plain text and links. But they decided like, to make it pretty so that, you know, the people who need it can't use it. Well, it's like a modem I used to, I bought once way back when you bought a modem. <laughs> and it says, if you, uh, if you, if you have trouble installing this, go to our website. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, it, Rogers. It, oh, it, you're having trouble with your cell phone? Call us. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, thanks. I'll go find a pay phone. Uh, but <laughs> the, um, the, um, it makes me think that they're actually not there to help them and that they're there to like the website is ends up being designed for you know the donations the people who are interested in helping those with say dyslexia and the website itself isn't actually designed for people with dyslexia or um but you see something like uh i don't know i remember borderlands had a colorblind mode and it actually changed all the colors so you could you know mm. do that and i was like oh that's that's pretty neat they actually put some thought into their medium so that people could play with that um so red wouldn't look like black, that kind of thing. Yeah, it looks all weird to me because yeah. I don't. I'm not colorblind, but I don't know. I had a different types of colorblindness, and it would change the color palette based on it. So, That's cool. Yeah, it was I really neat. I applaud that actually. That was in Borderlands Two, I think. But um, yeah, I couldn't handle it. I had to turn it off after a while. <laughs> I was just like, nope. But I still applaud the devs because that took effort. You know what yeah. I mean? Had to make a whole separate palette and then make sure that each one of those colors didn't blend into the one that would be put right beside it. Like they all had to be differentiable. And even if it's imperfect, I mean, it's an attempt. That's the type of raising awareness that we should be raising awareness for. And yet I've never even heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't even hear about it. I just found it in the, um, <clears throat> in the options when I was tooling my graphics for it. And I was just like, Oh, that's neat. And, uh, yeah, I didn't find it, but, um, to, kind of move on from this a bit. So you, you, all these things, you get that, um, uh, that dilution and that, uh, abuse of, um, uh, expert authority given by the, uh, crowd. And then you kind of put a lot of these two things together and it seems like a lot of us are cynical about it and you get like, well, how do we tell, you know, as the general population literally being us, uh, and, and our viewers, unless one of you works at a, um, at a charity, in which case, please contact us. We will do a follow-up episode immediately. Um, hey, shit, we'll even interview you. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. You can raise awareness. Yeah. <laughs> like your uh, cause. We will do it. Um, and, uh, so how do we tell a real one versus one that makes money? And this is kind of that same argument. It's like, well, how do I know you're going to use my taxes right when we you know, talk about voting and government and stuff like that? And like, we don't like paying taxes, but if we do have to, we'd rather pay them and have them go to something, you know, cool instead of like vacations to Costa Rica or something. Um, and I think there are several ways you could do it. If, uh, sorry, are you asking me? No, um, okay. <laughs> I'm saying like as a general population, we, we can get to that. But I think there's a general distrust of these awareness causes. And you hear, well, like, we need to raise awareness about gun violence. It's like, okay, I know what guns are. I know what they're capable of. And I know that, that what they do 
when they do that is called violence. Well, you know, well, you know, we need to tell you how bad it is. It's like, I know what they're possible of. It's like, are you afraid of it? No. Well, I'd be afraid of it if I saw someone coming at with at me with one. But like right now, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty cool. It's like, and like I'm, or like, uh, are you afraid of cancer? It's like, you know what? Not really. <laughs> like I'm pretty. I don't want it, but you have all these things. And okay, let me let me start making a list here. So we have guilt, which we brought up. We've have fear, which. And on the other side, we have help and actual awareness. Okay. So how do we tell what makes money and what's not? Now, sometimes you can't tell because, you know, one thing that Cancer Society did actually helped. Uh, one thing that this did actually had results. Um, I guess transparency would be, I'm guessing your answer would be transparency. Uh, that would be part of it. I think that would be the easiest answer. But mm -hmm. there are practical things that people can do in their everyday life if they actually want to, like, if you're sincere about wanting to promote a cause, you could sit down with a pad and pen, literally 10 minutes, and start writing down what are the costs. So if we take the example of Canada, uh, Manitoba Harvest or something like that, they've got cans of food. Each can of food is about two bucks, right? Well, they can't afford to buy all the cans of food, so maybe they can get like discount uh, from like dollar stores or from um, you know a couple months before expiry, when uh, when stores want to change over their inventory. So you can have deals where you get discount bulk items, um, things like that. So let, let's say you get them for a dollar each instead of full retail value of two dollars each. Then there's like the cost of, well, what if I pay Safeway or something, a grocery store to have a bin there and encourage them to donate for everybody to donate from as they're walking out of the store. So then you can do like a cost benefit analysis to it. Right. And what you can do, though, like if you hear uh, a campaign to raise awareness for, for like prostate cancer or breast cancer or something like that, you can just take with a pad and pen, write down what are the costs associated with doing this. Mm -hmm. So for the individual, getting a, a cancer screening is free to them and it costs the government, but the government is paying highly skilled healthcare workers, which you want. So that's not really a, a wasted cost. That's justifiably a good cost because you're paying somebody a healthy living wage to effect medical services, which are known to be beneficial to the entire population as a whole. And it's cheaper to catch it earlier than late. So that's a no brainer. So with the food thing, you might think, well, um, given a food bank's cost, how much does a commercial cost? How much does gas cost to have a truck? Uh, how much does a soup kitchen cost? If you were making everything from scratch and you had community gardens or schools donating everything. And just take a look at how much money is going into them and how much productivity is coming out of them. How many like vats of soup are being made? And right. if, if, if the organization is spending shitloads of money, raising money and only issuing out a couple hundred dollars in food, you've got an issue. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of like a, a lot of companies have to post like quarterly reports, especially if you're publicly traded so that, you know, people can see what's going on. It's like, look, we're profitable. Invest in us. Look how profitable we are, blah, 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 blah. So they don't actually want to hide any of that shit. Mm -hmm. Unless they're and to get something. tax write off, so they're gonna inflate the amounts well, that they're giving. That's too. the thing about those grocery stores uh, that you mentioned is that 
those are pretty much just tax write-offs. They they all they take everything that they get from like, oh, would you like to donate to some? Uh, I don't remember. We were at Staples, and they like to some. It was the most vaguely worded, you know, inclusivity and moving forward, and it's just buzzwords. And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like, but they use they take that sum, they donate it, and then they use that donation. Uh, from like Safeway or Staples or whatever, and that becomes a tax write-off. So they end up at whatever sum they have becomes a tax write-off on top of their normal taxes. So they're using that in order to not pay taxes. And I'm not giving charity to Safeway. I want to give charity. So like give cans, don't Mm -hmm. give money. (laughs) Unless somebody's done a cost-benefit analysis that says, hey, saving Safeway $1 million produces $10 million Mm -hmm. worth of food, then I'd be okay with it. But if they're not going to be transparent about that type of stuff. No, I hate the lie. <laughs> yeah. Like you're better off driving down or taking a bus down to your food shelter and just handing them food. Yeah. Or there's those like um those cloth bin, uh those like old clothes bins mm-hmm. uh things. Let's just go to Value Village. And Value Village is owned by Walmart. Mm-hmm. You're giving your clothes to Walmart so they can sell the clothes that you've already bought from them and they used to sell clothes that homeless people could afford with spare change and now they don't they sell ten dollar pants fifteen dollar twenty dollar shirts yeah it's literally an overstock it's just another store but you're buying used stuff that the store didn't have to pay for like what a great business model we get free inventory and we charge people for it (laughs) anybody could run that kind of a business that's not that's not um it's not a healthy economy that that's just taking from one person and then benefiting from it. That, that's exploitation technically. Yeah. And so a lot of this all just becomes white noise to me. Like I just hear like, you need to know about like, you know, uh, like this or like fetal alcohol syndrome or all these acronyms that we're going to throw at you. And I'm just, I look at Megan and I'm going like, which one's that? And she's just like, no, that's just MSG. I'm like, okay, wait, MSG needs awareness. <laughs> I actually did see an MSG like is okay for you uh, news article. And I was just like, I don't need to know that. Like, Brought to you by the People's Republic of China. <laughs> yeah, it was a Chinese food. <laughs> I think it was from Vancouver. But, Fort Rokal. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, um, and it, it just becomes white noise and I stop caring. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to help that within arm's reach. And then, you know, I'm a bad guy all of a sudden, but I don't want to be the bad guy. We all, none of us want to be the bad guy, except, you know, those, you know. Except for the evil people that do like goodwill just for the tax credits. Those people are like genuinely villains. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should make a Disney villain about that. They Maybe should. there already was one. <laughs> but, um. Because like the I, whole point like that the we're trying to like drill home into this episode here, I'll just say it point blank, is that the objectives matter. The objectives of the raising awareness campaign matters. If you're just raising awareness to make noise to show people or get a tax credit, you're not raising awareness for the cause. You're raising awareness for profit. Well, the underlying the thing of that is does – now the – okay, I completely like, yeah, that's – I everything he just said, like – I say that too, but you can count that me into that, but intention. So objectives are supported by intention. And if you force people to push themselves into it, then like, I don't think that's right either. Like you need to donate to this charity and that's, that's, that's an abridgment of uh, personal freedom. People should have to do it of their own choice, but then 
if it's just awareness and not charity, we have to, if we're looking at it objectively, see does awareness have an objective um, uh, benefit? Does the awareness actually contribute to a positive result on the issue? And so then if it does, then we could ask, okay, the ends justify the means. Doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter what we say, as long as people are aware of it, it creates a good. This is um, uh, Mill's um, utilitarianism. So it doesn't, it's like that bastardized, that evil version of utilitarianism where it's like mm-hmm. ends justify the means, which is not what Mill was talking about. But, um, but again, the, that sort of takes us back to our relative scopes ep- episodes. If mm-hmm. you're looking just at the immediate future after that one commercial was put out and then you see the influx in donations and say, ah, success, then mm-hmm. sure, that's a success. But if you look at 10 years down the line when that person's disenfranchised from ever mm-hmm. donating to anybody because they know they've yeah. been manipulated their whole lives into tearjerker commercials and stuff, it's going to water off a duck, duck's back and now you get no support for the rest of a lifetime. Like, right. where is the gain? You right, because really I'm sitting here from the listening holistic. to white noise, like sport check telling me to buy new sneakers has made me like in the most idiotic manner. People buy, buy a new car, idiot, like over and over again. And I don't like anything on TV comes across to me as just like offensive. Like it, like, so if someone's like it's insulting. <laughs> yeah. And so another, any commercial that comes on, no matter how well-intentioned is going to act as an insult to my intelligence. Therefore, like. I'm not like the awareness, like I'll be aware of it, but I won't like it. And so you, to my mind, it almost seems like you need to be careful with your awareness. You need to like, tell me, and I think this is where, um, you need to be able to say, okay, here's the issue. So it's almost like a freaking essay. Here's the Mm. issue. (laughs) Here's what potential thing we're coming up with. Uh, so homelessness. Uh, I want to build a shelter. So we need there well, nobody. Okay. So there's a new subdivision or something, but what we don't know is that the new subdivision, uh, created a homeless gap or something in be- between that subdivision and downtown. Nobody saw it coming. Like we couldn't have planned for it. It's just for some reason, there's a blind spot in policing or the blind spot in distribution. And all of a sudden there's a homeless slum right there. Couldn't have seen it coming. Okay, so there's a homeless problem in this in this in this area. I need well, we don't know about it yet because it's new. So we need awareness. But awareness doesn't awareness is just letting people know there's a problem. If you have a leaky pipe, I've got a leaky pipe upstairs. If I am aware of it, well, I don't have to fix it. <laughs> and so you come up with a result. Here's what I want to do, and then you know, uh, here's what we need. So this is literally like a a project pitch and then, uh, times frame, blah, blah, blah. And then after it's implemented, you say, okay, awareness, we don't need awareness anymore, but here's what we did here. Did it work or not? No. Yes. Well, now do what we need because well, we're all fumbling around and we don't really know how to deal with these, which is why we need awareness for it because maybe someone out there does, Mm -hmm. um, because I tried something and it didn't work. Um, I tried yelling at him. I've tried spitting at him. I've tried kicking him. Nothing's worked. Um, and so you got to sell me on it a bit. Like, 
you're you're selling me on my attention and you're selling me on my my money and my and my and my and my action here so and i think that's where transparency is helpful because in order to sell it to people like realistically they should show the problem as it is realistically like for a city councilor or something to tackle a problem a problem like homelessness what they're going to start by doing is talking they're going to say well we need more tax revenue so that we can spend more money on homeless people what's the easiest way to do that let's get incentives to real estate giants so that they develop new areas of our city and expand the, the tax base then you've got more wealthy people living in bigger houses which get more pro property tax money so by time you've doled out like subsidies to help these like poor real estate giants develop into all new areas and you've created more garbage and waste and pollution you've had to build out more infrastructure to accommodate them more public transit to suddenly there's no money at the end for for the stated goal or purpose so again the problem comes back to these people aren't accountable first and foremost to actually achieving any of the goals they set out and that's problem number one but nobody has the time to police every single one of their legal representatives. And that gets back to our trust episode. We have to have professionals managing our shit and being able to trust them to do it. Yeah. Uh, the second part to it is that people taking advantage of the system, like those real estate companies who are only building luxury homes when they could be building entire regions of low income housing and just fixing the problem outright. They're I love my little not house to because it's more <laughs> profitable to do this other way. And then they're subsidized, getting subsidies from the taxpayers who couldn't afford to help the homeless people, but they can afford to help luxury home builders. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and it's just yeah. this cascade of subsidies and tax relief and incentivizing the wrong people to mm -hmm. fix a solution or a problem that's right in front of them. Yeah. But like home developers know how to build homes. They could build affordable homes, period. They just don't. And well, that what was what have to do as a tax base is require that they build X number of affordable homes for every luxury home they build. Well, and that's one like, of the things it. I uh, I don't and I, like. I'm not against the rich at all. Like, no, neither am I. And like, well, it's like well, because one of the things that I saw in history was like one of the biggest booms in technology and the biggest booms in global wealth was when a couple guys went, "What if I sold something to the poor?" <laughs> what if I made something that more people could buy? Because if you can sell something and you look at Henry Ford and Thomas Edison, I don't care if you hate them or not, it doesn't matter. The business model ended up helping a lot of people. So you get something like, what if I made it so that I could record something and then play it back? You think of uh, the phonograph or something like that. And he said, okay, but what if I made it cheap enough that instead of selling it to a thousand people for $10,000, I could sell it to a million people for a hundred dollars. 3 million people for $100 or 10 million people for $50. That's like an exponential amount of more money. And like the same thing with a car, like the Model T, it's like, okay, cars were luxury items. You know, only the richest could buy a horseless carriage. Then the Model T came out and it's like, you now, instead of being able to sell it to a couple people who will give you a lot of money, you can sell it to, you know, you know, an order of magnitude or to more than that, who for a little bit of money, you are making way more money, producing way more, employing more people because you're making more. And then those people have enough money to buy your, okay, this is capitalism 101. Good, no, free market. I'm not, okay, but like, this is, and so. But here's the problem though, is okay, the economics don't digression. always work with it because like, no. 
the problem with with affordable food for for example you can make food cheaper if it's got more preservatives in it so the more junk your food is the mm. cheaper it is to for people to buy dipping your meat in water so you can sell it at a heavier <laughs> price and everyone who may tries to saute your meat ends yeah. up with a pool in their pan and you're just like Ugh. You, you can't regulate it because it's just well it's just water like you, you can't like but it's just the most infuriating act of you know corporate greed (laughs) but but the issue is it's not like i mean it is greed if we talk about it from like an interpersonal standpoint Mm, yes but the corporation itself by law is mandated to seek profit we can't Mm. even fault the companies for doing this because we design the system that they're operating in well if they're not seeking profit then well, what are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah. yeah. So then why have a company? So why would I invest in your company if you're not even seeking a profit? <laughs> you don't want to make money? Okay, I'm gonna go invest in that in that um, in that restaurant that's actually gonna try. Yeah. So I mean, uh, most investors want to diversify their investments. They don't throw all their money into one company because that's stupid. Yeah. And if you're not throwing all your money into one company, you can't possibly check the moral ethic code and see that they're all following by their standards because you're invested in 800 different com- country, uh, companies in 80 different countries. Like that's a, just not even realistic. It's not feasible. Now I thought we were getting off topic, but this is actually a really good analogy because if if someone's making awareness at us, <laughs> <laughs> that's really well put. Um, then. Um, they want us to do something. Now, like I said, if my faucet's leaking, I can be aware of it, but I don't actually have to fix it. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like that's really deep, but that's as far as that idea goes. Uh, <laughs> but if they're making awareness at me, then they are making a plea for my attention and my time, my effort, and you know my money. They want me to vote with that stuff for their thing. Now, if it's just awareness, they want me to say, have you heard about the new thing that's out that will help people with, uh, you know, um, uh, some disease or they want me to, you know, uh, make a decision to go and volunteer a couple hours or do the run or, uh, you know, run for the cure or whatever, or they want me to put my money up and my time and my, you know, effort, and also help spread awareness. And and the thing is, is that I don't have to. So I can say, well, no, 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 no. I only have a certain amount of time. So I don't have to, every time someone raises awareness to me, I don't have to, I can say, no, 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 I'm, I'm working on something else or I'm helping in another spot. And that doesn't make me evil. It's like, oh, I don't care about cancer patients. Oh, how could you? It's like, cause I'm caring about something else. <laughs> like I'm one guy and I know I'm one guy, but that, that doesn't mean I'm powerless. It means I only have two hands. Yeah, I have four resources hands, I... aren't infinite. Otherwise yeah. you'd have solved these problems already. Yeah. So one guy would have been like, oh, well, we don't even have these problems because we're all infinite beings. Um, but we're not. And so we can't just focus on one problem because that would leave all the other problems, you know, to fester. Oh, look, we solved poverty and now we don't have any drinking water <laughs> and now the, all the nuclear reactors are exploding but uh and, and all the dams burst and 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 florida and california literally fell into the ocean oh man but we solved poverty everyone's rich and no one has no everyone has access to food that's great or in a more but, timely example covid kills all the poor people of the world because they yeah. didn't have access to a vaccine as yeah. if we don't need poor people's labor to make our companies profitable. 
Like it's that short sightedness that makes our, that we should be raising awareness for that we're not. I was really worried about, like, I'm still kind of really like, I'm not worried about Canada. No. I, the, when, when COVID hit, I was like, oh man, India. Yeah. Like, like we are poor- so spread out. we got 36 million people in the biggest country in the world. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're so spread out. It's really easy for us to make food considering we export food as a primary resource. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about like India or Africa and just like, please someone at, like Nigeria like, I, where they I, don't believe like they have Boko Haram books are evil. Like yeah. they have groups of terrorists who don't believe in intel- intellectualism. Like, yeah, those places are at risk. Yeah. And it's just like us who are like, oh, okay, wear a mask. It's like, okay, I don't like it, but I'm going to wear it. Mm-hmm. It's like, and everyone's like, that's your right. It's like, it's like cool. And, but like India, like, have you seen the crowds at like rush hour? It's just like, that's a COVID Petri dish. And I, I, I like, that's like, we don't like we can raise awareness for that, but like, I didn't need to be raised awareness for that. I like, I heard about COVID and I was like, oh no. The but I had to learn cities. about India on Al Jazeera. <laughs> And DW German news because they're not reporting it in Canada. Like that, yeah. that to me is shameful. Really, really shameful for an, an uh, for an intelligent society like ours, where even our public school systems teach, you know, university grade maths and physics and stuff. How was, we don't even have access to news of what's happening to hundreds of millions of people abroad. Well, this is boggling to me. Interesting way to go because news is essentially an awareness engine. Mm-hmm. And in North America, especially, and uh, and the UK, because honestly, we adopted you once your empire fell. And we're uh, all the same. Yeah, um, white guys we, all alike. <laughs> we, our news is very geared towards. Like it, it, our news is definitely not doing its job right now of making awareness. They're definitely trying to, the, you know, everyone's, every single channel is politically motivated. Um, there's a couple like radical centrist ones who are actually pretending to do journalism in spite of everyone else. But right now it's just, it's a mess and you're having to go to, uh, you're having to go to different sources, but this is also probably a, a result of the change in um, the medium. Uh, so the message is changing because, you know, as McLuhan would say, the medium's outdated. News doesn't make, the news as we've known it doesn't make sense anymore. And therefore it's failing to do its job because the message has changed and therefore the medium is insufficient for the message we want. What we're doing now is a better way of doing it. People are going to inherently gravitate towards the medium that better shows them the more effective message, which is why pamphlets work better than town criers. Well, why would I go to the town crier when I could read, you know, an opinion that's not just sanctioned by the king in a pamphlet on my own in a coffee shop, which was also another medium of communication that people didn't like. People are going to go and they're going to talk to people and they're going to hate me and they're going to cut off my head and then I won't be king anymore. Um. (laughs) But the tragic side effect is even though this, like what we're doing is more informative and engaged than what the news is doing, our production value is so low because we're volunteers, right? We're just two guys. We're not trained journalists with like, you know, HD cameras and, and satellite vans that can scoot around the city with Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And I'm not a reporter at all. Like no. not reporting. Um, and we don't ever claim to be either. We don't even claim to be well-informed half the time. <laughs> reporting is a 
But the point is they're not serving their function. Their social no. function is to raise social awareness, not just mm -hmm. of crime and stuff, but also of political agendas and how money is being spent, the transparency aspect. There's a and they also advertise for nonprofit causes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one of the things that the, like uh, you saw that when I was a kid, you know, the local shelter is having a food drive, you know, come see or donate some cans. It's like, oh, I got some cans I can throw at them. But now it's just like, no, I like, I don't watch the news like that anymore. So I don't know about the canned food drive. And so what, where I, the way I become aware of it is when I walk by my local, shel local shelter and they have a sign out saying like, donate your cans. I'll be like, oh, okay. That's where I can do it. Or the like, boards up at churches, like on the lawns yes, of churches. Churches yeah. are often the best places to go for this because the churches, some, even though they tend to be, you know, have that kind of annoying Christian, sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, dad, but you know, Christians can sign it kind of sometimes be a pain in the butt, but churches generally do are places of help. And if you are looking for a place to help, go to a church They'll and they're tapped have into something. the community. Like if yes. you're running, if you're running a food drive and you see a church next door, you're going to walk into the church and say, Hey, can you tell all of your congregation about this? Like, it's just an easier, more efficient way of yeah, and of. if they're Catholic, they'll be like for a donation. <laughs> <laughs> but but everybody they, else is fine though. Like yeah. you could even walk in, not just Christians, but like Buddhist no. temples. We've walked into um, uh, Hindu oh, temples fun. before. Like they're all welcoming and they they're all engaged in trying to help us. humanity. They shoved yeah. so much food in our face. <laughs> they were just happy to see us. We we're like, yeah, we don't know anything about your religion. Unless we just showed up. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that was fun. But, but they're there specifically to help the, uh, with community engagement. Like that, that yeah. is their social function as churches. Like if you just want to look at utilitarianism, mm -hmm. that's the purpose of religion. It's to have communities and groups outside of work and school that people can get help at that's not the government. And it's interesting because the church used to be, uh, now I'm not, I'm not gonna, this is going to be like, oh, I'm going to join a church now, but I'm probably not. But uh the church right. before used to be the center of the community. So you have the political center of the community being like, I'm just saying like in a town or in a, in a, in, a, in an old city, this is the political center was the, um, the noble and the nobility mansion or the manor, but the cultural center would have been the church. Everybody goes to church. Everyone, it's the nexus of everyone, everyone like right now we're reaching your mind, but we can't shake your hand uh dear listener because and so this isn't a physical nexus this is a mental nexus of information now the thing is is that if you have that physical connection everyone can get together and you can actually say hey my friend's building a deck we hear you're building a shed i'll help you if you help me and then what happens is because you're physically there it's easier to say all right let's do it like I'll be at your place on Saturday. You come to my place on Sunday and now, you know, more hands make lighter work. Mm. And that's the kind of connection that happens. And, um, and with a bigger pool, you also get more efficient help because then yeah. the people who are good at carrying and bagging groceries can do that. And then the people <laughs> of the congregation who are better at organizing and cataloging things can do that. I think there's an so upper like limit, a like a, a mega church definitely, skills. I don't think serves that purpose as well. <laughs> Like I think every church has more than one person in it. So oh, when yeah. you go to a group of more than one people, there's a much higher chance that you're going to get effective work out of those people as yeah. opposed to just getting one person to do one job and hoping that they're a good fit for it. You know, right. I mean? 
and I think I don't think we could ignore the the spiritual. I hate using that word so much. The spiritual aspect of it because they are coming together with something in common. It doesn't matter the skin color. You get like a bunch of, you know, all of a sudden a bunch of a new Asian family that moved in comes into the the Catholic Church, and it doesn't matter because they're linked by their faith. They're linked by a common um, factor that allows that to happen. Um, and all of a sudden they're part of the community. They have to integrate like, you know, you know, everyone in grade four is equally in grade four together and, you know, everyone's going to pick at each other and see where everyone sits, but, but it's there. And I think that doesn't really translate well into the mega market of, um, like something like the internet, because in the church, after you get a past about 300 people, everyone's kind of like, who's that? But, you know, you get this small community. Everyone's helping each other out in a small community. It's this. But, you know, like I said, with the mega church, after about like 100,000 people, it's not a community anymore. It's a it, business. It's a, it's a business. And the, the only thing that you can boil it down to is its basic premise, which is, you know, we're going to go and praise Jesus, which is fine for them. But at the same time, the community aspect is, becomes a bit of a farce. <laughs> And once it gets past about, you know, a couple tens of thousands. But the function it serves, like with regard to raising awareness, you're still having crowds of people mm. with all who are well-intentioned. You're that not getting true. crowds of like evil people or white supremacists or, well, I guess that could be a church if you want. Yeah, Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> but I mean, like, the intent is already there. People are willfully choosing to go somewhere to congregate to effect good in the world. So it's a really special place, especially for benevolent activities, to organize a grassroots movement. Mm -hmm. That conversely juxtaposed against like a university group or uh, activist groups in uh, at work or something like that. What they're doing is they're doing it either for credit for the business because they get a pat on the back and an attaboy for raising X number of dollars from your peers because mm -hmm. then the company gets the tax write off and you get to get you know. A bonus on the side that's not included in the you know but technically it comes from the donations but no they're just paying you a salary bonus for the good work you did raising money while they get a tax credit well as someone who used to run a student group that's very accurate we once we got off of the uh of the truth that we were just doing this to hang out with each other and to because we enjoyed each other's company and it was a good excuse to you know, have bake sales and make Cold War cookies and, and you know, have bombastic speeches and stuff like that. It, like when we tried to be a advocacy group, it, it kind of got dumb. The only good thing we did with that was pull the student uh, body to see what people would be interested in to tell the faculty. It's like, here's what the students actually want to study in history. <laughs> and well, I know. don't want to suggest that it's not helpful at all because it still is raising awareness. I didn't feel very helpful. The amount of effort <laughs> being input into it is not re um, generating the same output as mm -hmm. the desired effect would want. Oh, definitely. That's exactly descripting what I was doing with yeah, at the so head. It's of not the like it was useless at all. It wasn't wasted time or anything. Even after you get to the point where it's just, you know, rhetoric and pontificating you're still technically raising awareness and somebody might walk by who's never heard it before you never know mm. but the yeah. point is there are way more effective approaches to it and one of the ways of doing that as you mentioned before with the transparency is looking at it economically and saying like how are our resources best served 
Mm. And the best way to serve our resources economically is to have some type of regulation in place, not to say that the government has to have its fingers in everything we do, but anybody who listens to the channel knows I'm a bit of a socialist. And that just means that there needs to be regulation on like a, the, the housing thing that we mentioned before. You should build affordable houses in addition to luxury homes. You can't just build a city out of luxury homes where there's going to be homeless people. I think like, one of the things is that I'm kind of not a socialist. This is why this is why you should watch this when we're interesting and you should <laughs> raise awareness with your friends because look at us. Two sides. Yeah, we're not yelling at each other, even though we disagree. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Anyway, <laughs> we should put anime things on. Anyway, yes. but uh, like on my side, I would say that like people building luxury homes is going to continue to uh, cause housing bubbles to burst and uh, and inflate, not just yeah. burst. And I think we should be giving. I think one thing that would be helpful is if someone like a lobby group, which would persuade, uh, which would put like, I don't know, the small house lobby group, which every time someone came up with a proposal for a subdivision of smaller houses, uh, smaller houses, big yards, you know, like, like kind of like the one I've got, but I'm not going to show you my house. Hey guys, let me just dox myself. Um, but you know, a smaller affordable house with a reasonable uh space to it and then you could have those pressure groups influence uh or help not influence government but maybe help the people making those proposals show that these smaller houses though it's seemingly you know you're not selling luxury homes that it's actually a really good investment and help them with their marketing help them with their uh, proposal or help them with their pitch. Um, yeah, we should almost give them free advertising for that. Like we yeah. should contribute back to the companies who are making low profit margin homes to or, keep, to say thanks for like, you know, helping well, clean up homelessness. Okay. I got an idea though. You have a, that same organization, which could be raising awareness, but what they could be doing instead of just raising awareness is just doing the numbers saying, here's the amount of people that have this amount of money. The greatest block of money of people looking for homes is this group. So if you build these types of houses like this, you probably will potentially sell them more effectively than these ones up here. And here's the, here's the range of profit that you would have. And then they could keep updating this and it would act as, um, this might already be a thing. So, it would show the reality of it instead of because a lot of these things is new homes you can have your own mansion everyone they're, they're selling us on a dream that isn't real i don't i don't have enough money to live in a mansion a real mansion and therefore i probably don't have enough money to have a fake mansion in you know a fake mansion area that doesn't actually have any retail or jobs around it you know if you have to drive to your um, I, where i live right now i can walk i, I can go apply on foot within a hundred feet with to businesses within a hundred feet of me. If I live in one of these subdivisions, I couldn't, you'd have to drive out. If you're in Winnipeg, think of like Waverly West or Linden Woods, there's nowhere to work inside the subdivision. So but what, I'm not saying rich people shouldn't have nice stuff. Oh no, Nobody's hell no. Saying that. We're just you saying need for an every, aspiration. 
for every 10 or 15 luxury homes that you build, you should build one affordable one. Yeah. Just There's only going to be so many rich people it. and they're going to move around because not everyone's rich all the time. Like, and the problem is with real estate, because if they're only making expensive homes, the prices of all homes goes up. So your problem gets worse. And then the rest become tenements. And then the and only like people get... who have money are people whose houses that they already owned inflated in value. So they trade their 10 year old house for a brand new house. And mm -hmm. all you're getting is the same pool of people buying the same houses and they're all making prices go up and then they're all benefiting from the prices rising. That's right. what and a you bubble get people is. People coming in from China, like buying those houses, like for like cash and then you know nobody can buy a house in vancouver like yeah we got, like we got accepted to a university in vancouver guess where we didn't move <laughs> we would be living in a basement right now for the for twice the price that we pay for uh rent on this house yeah That's i paid more in rent for the smallest place i could get in vancouver than they offer people on disability or ei in, in winnipeg <laughs> like, you you can't even have a place to sleep uh, on on a basic income or a fixed income or as a senior or something who's just on old age security or something like that like it, 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 it's so a thing because it's unnecessary all they're doing is inflating the wealth of people based on mortgage debt and mortgage debt is so secure that the bankers get to pay themselves in commissions based on percentages of the mortgages they sell so like everybody's getting paid out except for the only people who can't afford to buy in. in when the, the whole place. goal is to sell houses and have people live in houses. That's it. Yeah, That's the our, main our point of all this. Our social goal should be to have homes for people first. And then if you have a home already and you want to save up for a nicer one, then albeit, yeah. go to it. There's, but and there's like, no reason we can't afford homes. We're not going to give them to people. Like this is still economic. Well, anyway, we're, we're, I think when we boil it down, I, I don't, we can get into housing. Um, in another episode. But I think the crux of what we're talking about here is the truth. Mm -hmm. What awareness should be, and this is kind of going to be my take on it maybe, is that awareness should be something that portrays the truth that may not be immediately obvious, maybe new, or it may be uh, complicated. So, you know, like I said, you know, housing price, the housing market is very complicated. If you have some, uh, an awareness group that gets together all of the, does all the math and puts together informative uh, and up-to-date um, information, great. Uh, if you actually portray what cancer research is actually doing, the truth about it, that's great. Uh, if you are actually trying to tell us what's going on in the local neighborhood or something that's like brand new, that's good. As long as it's all true. And that's what we want as consumers of this information is the truth, I would say. But we don't and want raising awareness to be a business. That, that shouldn't be, no. I mean, unless it's journalism, that is technical. Well, because a business is inclined to, uh, we, does people need to eat, but at the same time, um, they don't need to eat gold. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you, if, if you're doing, I don't know, ugh, part of me is like, well, if you're working, you should get paid. Well, yes. And if you're working to get paid, then maybe you're looking, say, okay, there's a bright future for this. Like you don't want to just be stagnant with your life. But at the same time, you're not doing, the goal of it isn't just to make money. Well, part of it is you're doing something that makes you money that benefits society. And the thing is, is that, Everyone thinks that the truth is not profitable. Mm -hmm. 
That's, or I, that I, it's I, impossible to make money without being selfish about it. Like you can still run a perfectly profitable business and do things that are socially conscious and social yeah. responsibility and ethics is a huge part of any MBA program that you take in university. Yeah. To. But they well, walk I, out of the university and forget all about the ethics as soon as they leave the university. Well, because it's easier to play to think of it as a zero-sum game. Now, I think zero-sum capitalism is ultimately self-destructive. You're it's digging yourself sustainable, a hole. flat out. Because like, I'm going to make a deal. Like, I make a deal every day I teach one of my students. And I'm, I'm, I'm transparent about this. It's like, <laughs> your parents are paying me to make sure you learn, so I'm damn well gonna do it and i've said this to them except with the word without the word damn uh, but and so you know it's like and usually i'll say it when like you know your parents are paying me to teach you so you better pay attention you know when they're not paying attention they're like oh okay okay my parents are putting effort into this so they're giving me money i'm giving them my effort and time we're both they're getting uh they're getting a son or a daughter with a slightly better future than they had been had they not spent that hour engaging and everyone's a winner well they have less money now it's like yeah but they have more value and i have more value (laughs) and in in fact not only that i'm a better teacher for having taught that extra hour so everyone's winning from this no one's losing and put more simply it's like farmers you want farmers to produce quality food because they're feeding the entire country you also Hmm. don't want farmers to go broke and lose their farms you want them to be able to invest in their farms and buy new equipment and make up safety standards and yada, 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 right? So nobody's suggesting that a farmer shouldn't make money, but a mm. farmer produces food for the entire country, which is obviously a huge social benefit. So why are people so have such a difficulty understanding how capitalism could be socially conscious if we've got regulations on the price of wheat that they sell so that they don't price gouge because, you know, people need food, desperate people will pay anything for food. So you could just artificially restrict the supply of, of food and then raise the prices. And But that wouldn't be good. So we got regulations against it. Farmers mm. get paid. Farmers have enough to like, you know, invest in their farms and buy new stuff and go on vacations. And like, they don't live poor. Our farmers are pretty rich. For a good example of this, um, Simon Shama, or uh, Shama, uh, citizens uh, work on uh the french revolution deals heavily with the price of bread and how it affected the french revolution now the price of bread just went boop. Um, the mm-hmm. same thing happened in weimar germany where it's just like how much for a price of bread well this hour it's five trillion marks uh, next hour it might be 17 million marks yeah, so, so you better buy two yeah <laughs> It's like, oh, well, uh, I'm going to need all of your money. Uh, just throw it in the pile. And that's a great example of that short-termism. Well, they'll, they'll see this immediate me- personal economic benefit to themselves at the expense and cost of society at large for years to come afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what we're doing when we're raising awareness, trying to use like trigger signals and bloody images or like that really perverse type of gore. And I don't mean that literally, but I mean like the the, the shock-inducing type of raising awareness that's just not necessary for cancer do you know what i mean like yeah and like oh you're thinking of like cigarette labels and stuff like that well for everything even like breast cancer or colon cancer yeah. oh if he would have got this checked he wouldn't be looking like you this right have now this. Guy, like, it's like ah it's like but uh but like i get and, what they're trying to do but the more beneficial thing would be like look how much money it costs to be sick and in pain and look how we can help you prevent it from the future like mm-hmm. that's what they're they're raising awareness should be in my opinion it should be like 
like you said, true and informative and accurate without sensationalizing or blowing things out of proportion and without like making up some type of catastrophe that no one's ever heard of. You, you just of, say it straight out, get breast cancer screenings, and then you save yourself pain and money. Like it's that. Here's simple. where to go. Do it now. Like make it an order. Um, yeah. But one thing I don't like is that we say the word true, like it's something that exists and it's, I, I don't really, I can't really function in a world where, you know, truth, like something isn't something. Um, like I'm here, I'm sitting here. This is true. There's no non-objective thing about this, but you can argue nowadays that anything like truth doesn't exist, you know, there's no absolute truth. So, you know, anything you say can be argued to be true. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't make it right. Two plus two is four. Okay, well, like put it more practically, people should mm -hmm. believe what Thank they're you. saying is true. Yes. So whether they're right or wrong, doesn't matter. If they believe like their data was accurate and it's just not, at least they're trying to say something true. Well, but and what I'm talking about with false statements is people knowingly picking and choosing yeah. which graphs so, and which charts and which data to use just so they can manipulate the figures. Right. So if Cancer Society is saying one thing and we can say, you know what, Cancer Society, you're shit oh damn it i censored the wrong word i <laughs> said the loud the part, part quiet and the quiet part loud <laughs> oh no <laughs> um That's anyway funny. beep that out it'll be funny uh, but uh the hey you can't do it um now what happens is how could you dare criticize the cancer society they're they're fighting cancer they're above reproach and this is one thing we need to get over is yeah, no in order to have truth you have to be able, everyone has to be able to be a subject of criticism. And we uh, should encourage it. Yes. Data can be verified. So we mm -hmm. should always encourage skepticism, even if it's obviously true, just let people check. Yeah. And if you if someone says, well, no, you can't do that because it hurts my feelings. You can't, you shouldn't be criticizing that because they do so much good and it'll hurt the people with cancer. It's like, I'm sure that people with cancer have bigger problems than me, you know, criticizing the figures of the cancer society. Um, and like, in all honesty, I'm not really worried about the feelings of someone I don't know enough to um even know what their feelings are so like if you're just some jane doe or joe blow and you tell me that you're offended well that sucks for you um pat in the back i guess but like no these figures are wrong <laughs> and uh -huh. it's not true i don't like your feelings don't inform facts and the housing market's going to explode again and again. Cancer is keep going to get money and we're still going to be no closer to um, a cure for a disease that is not even be pre being presented as what it actually, act that doesn't reflect the actual nature of the disease itself. <laughs> like it's an exponential growth, like of uh, unregulated growth of cells in, in the body. It's not something you catch <laughs> and we're just treating it like it's something we can just cure. No, no, it's something we have to like deal with completely different than we're dealing with COVID. We can't treat it like we're going to find a cure. It's like, no, you have to treat yeah, it. And it's as like what a it dishonest is. way of marketing their research, right? right? The research is there and it is useful and we can find treatments through it. But to say that we're going to cure it is just, um, it, yeah. it's, it's ignorant of physics <laughs> yeah. chemistry we can make sure people don't die from it but they're at greater risk after we cure them of the cancer for the rest of their life um 
if we brought in our but again expert. it doesn't address the actual yeah. problem though too like, mm-hmm. the problem is they're raising awareness the wrong way they're doing it by being knowingly dishonest about the thing they're trying to raise money for in order to tear jerk people into giving them more money than they otherwise would that's yeah that's and then in the end they create they create a distortion as to what cancer is. And then you get comments like, well, we can go to the moon, but we can't cure cancer. It's like, have you seen how complex cancer is? It's like <laughs> it's literal chaos in the body. The moon was just an engineering and mathematical problem. Look at a list of them. If you yeah. just try and memorize all the different types of cancers, yeah. you could see how hard it would be to treat them all. Yeah. And like the same goes for, and then there's, that's just cancer. Mm-hmm. There's 37 diseases that you turn on the TV and they'll be like, donate to the, you know, uh, I can't even make one of there's so many of them. Oh, there's like, like diabetes, DNIB, uh, like colitis and bowel dysfunction. There's autoimmune disorder, lupus. There's... Jumper's disease. I made that one up. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many of them. And I'm not saying at all, I'm not at all discouraging people from donating money. That's not at all what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do, though, is if somebody has the willpower and desire to make a difference, and they have some money to contribute, they could spend a few minutes figuring out where their money is going mm. before donating, and then their money would be five times more effective. Like if yeah. you really, really want your money to go far, you can, by all means, if you have money and you don't have time, just donate. Somebody will, some of that money will still help people. Well, I mean, we have laws in place to prevent things think like of it, siphoning. If we think of it like an investment instead of a sacrifice, because mm-hmm. I'm not making, I don't want to make a sacrifice. It's like, oh, open your veins for cancer research. It's like, ah, like <laughs> I'll donate blood, but it's not a sacrifice. It's an investment of blood so yeah. that I'm not the only one left in society. <laughs> like, <laughs> so because I know that, you know, more hands like make lighter work. If people just start dying, we lose their expertise. We lose their uh, we lose their, uh, their productivity, their productivity. <laughs> we also lose their personal ingenuity, their perspectives, we their lose, families are bereaved. Like people don't like it when like, so if I donate some blood, I'm investing in a healthier society. And I know it sounds like, uh, you know, callous and cold, but you know, it's, it's the, it's, it's the truth. I'm living in a better society if I give blood. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, golden rule. I would want someone to do it for me. Um, So I'm making an investment and you need to think about it. What am I getting out of this? Well, you're getting peace of mind. I'm out and I'm out the door. (laughs) Like, no, that means give me your money for free so I can buy a Jaguar. It's like, no. And so that's, that's, that's kind of where I sit on this. So uh, one of the other ways, if I could move us towards like art and culture, because one of the other ways we raise awareness um, that's not as often as it used to be uh, done is with like uh, like singers and musicians and what do they call it? Pop culture. That's what I was thinking. Oh, Band-Aid and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they used to have a hunger strike back in the 90s or they had uh, like concert tours and stuff they had one for sars the first sars <laughs> oh uh, the, the berlin wall concerts were uh, yeah, really the interesting berlin one. concerts yeah like uh hands across america was another one yeah anti-racism uh, i think that was 
Because everything's anti-racist now. <laughs> yeah, but before it actually, it was a thing. Raising awareness for racism meant something because they didn't have videos of George Floyd, Floyd getting suffocated. Nobody cared until all of a sudden we got videos of it and people are like surprised there's racism in the States and like artists have been screaming it at the top of their lungs for decades. Yeah. The whole jazz movement, basically. You've got genres of music like hip hop and jazz and blues that stem directly from that type of oppression and people were denying even existed. It does bug me that everyone thinks that this is a new thing. It's, but, it's worse now than ever before. It's like NWA in the '90s. Like, but if you, if you listen to the to the the social gab these days, you'd think that L, LGBTQ rights were just as perverse as, uh, or as necessary as the uh, as the black movement or Hispanic movements. And it's like they're not even close to the same type. Well, like every scope every scale. aggrieved group is trying to they're vying with each other for you know the attention of people well like us yeah and raising awareness though for their cause at the expense of another cause and not supporting each other is just banal it's absolutely stupid that the lgbtq people didn't get involved with all, all the black rights for all these years well the feminists and the lgbt people are uh are fighting now because uh the feminists are like well we're, we're women like women need equal rights in society and now but if you but transition like you from, if you noise. transition from a man to a woman they're like but you're not a woman and now they're fighting with each other <laughs> so it's just like well that seems counterproductive i'm gonna go look and see what's going on over here <laughs> yeah like i'm gonna sound like a hippie but they they should all be supporting each other white people right. should be supporting it and black people and gay people and lesbians and trans, we should all be just supporting each other. Like there hmm. shouldn't be a fight for supremacy in the victim world. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like you get Greta Thunberg coming in and saying, we need this. And I'm just like, I am against this. Not only am I not for this, <laughs> I will actively work against her. Um, but like we had literally outright racist policies in government that designed cities like red line districting and, and hmm. you know, things well, like you that. Gotta, like, um, they you never had that in the LGBT thing. What's it like, called? So uh, equating residential them, schools. Them Putting them on the same level playing field to say that they're both equally oppressed is just nonsense. Like no. black people and Hispanic people in the States have dealt with far more um, harm caused by their cause that they're still fighting and finally getting some awareness for. And they want to block them out because 0.1% of the population thinks that they're born in the wrong body. Yeah. They and feel like their rights are being violated when they're one not. One thing they're I think. already protecting their, their rights. One thing I think awareness does is... Awareness sometimes has the effect of creating or exacerbating the problem to make it more real. So yeah, there is there are people that don't like gay people. Like duh, there's people that don't like like you can if there's something that exists, you can find someone that doesn't like it. You can find someone that's militantly against it. Generally these people are, you know, don't think things through too much. And so we can't just say well there's an epidemic of people that well there's always an epidemic of people that don't think but <laughs> maybe that's what you should be targeting just the root problem people not thinking um but we're using words with their meanings yeah god forbid no because then you have to have truth and then you can't justify your unjustified claims with feelings um and so we like a lot of times you know like if a gay guy moves in a gay couple moves in next door, everyone's going to be like, generally people are going to be like, oh, 
okay, I guess we're living next to a gay couple now. Uh, and no one, like, people move on with their lives because generally people's lives are more important to themselves than, you know, who's living next door. And if they are worked up about who or what type of people are moved in next door, that's usually a problem with the person that's committing the racism or homophobia or whatever, or um, gayism. I don't even want to call it homophobia. Who's afraid of gay people? <laughs> like, it's not a phobia. It's a ism. Um, and well, those gay priests who always talk about like how gay people shouldn't need to be fixed in those those camps or whatever, those re-education camps. I think yeah. they're actually scared of gay people. Yeah. They but are those... gay, like the self-loathing types. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's a mental condition, though, with that. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Person. Is, and that we're not I, I, I don't. I think that like once. Like we in Canada here, we closed down the residential schools. We've gotten rid of it. We've been working towards, you know, making this stuff available. If you're actually interested in it and don't want to just put up your Facebook tag, archives all over the country have information on the residential schools. Uh, come to the provincial archives of Alberta and, and even look the at, online database. Look at, yeah, and look at the oblate. Uh, ask for the oblate uh, pictorial records, and you can see a lot of residential school records. Uh, that the Oblates were working on, go to the NCTR or um, whatever they call it now, they changed it a couple of times, the National Truth and Reconciliation place at the, U, the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg, which has a lot of online resources, uh, a lot of oral histories relating to it. These things are available. But the, And now here's what a lot of my professors are going to really dislike me to say, because they're available, it's not a problem anymore. We've moved beyond it. We need to help heal these people from their thing, but it's not an issue anymore. We're not committing that issue anymore. And no matter how much you tell me it's still an issue, it's not. What we need to do is help the people that suffered from it reintegrate themselves into themselves and society and their communities. We need to help them, not condemn the government for having done it because the government has definitely moved away from these practices if the government tried to do something the entire country would overthrow them yeah overnight <laughs> we would not yeah. put up with it we wouldn't put up with it and the and the fact that you we let you talk about this stuff is testament to that like let no it sound like it was really aggressive but uh and that to me is what it is so i guess i'm raising awareness of the fact that these resources actually exist it's like, heck yeah, I condemn residential schools, but I'm still critical of the movement uh, that's calling for truth and reconciliation because nobody's above criticism, period, mm -hmm. including me. <laughs> including the country we love that yeah. we criticize constantly because well, we love it so much. Watch our Canada Day special. We <laughs> love Canada. It's definitely got problems, but you know, there's, there are things we're celebrating and I and guess I it's... Yeah, go ahead. That's sort of where I wanted to go with the pop culture thing is because there are ways that musicians and actors and actresses can help, but they're, they're also not the avatars of truth. What they're doing no. is using their popularity to spread a message that they think is important, like Leonardo DiCaprio with the palm oil or like Elton John and Eminem doing a song. Eminem was like, I say the word faggot, but I don't mean it like that. And Elton John's like, I get that he doesn't mean it like that. And I'm gay and it's cool. And everybody's okay with it. And suddenly you see this huge rift between like rappers and the gay community suddenly like, Oh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, there are still a bunch of homophobes in, in hip hop and there's still a bunch of gay people who don't like yeah, the way rappers speak, but the tension is lessened because of the awareness raised by them doing public goods 
like well, that. And I think you mentioned that word that we're not allowed to use anymore. And it made me think of uh, that South Park episode where all the um, the, uh, the the guys on the bikers, the bikers from it's like, oh, you guys are big bags, and it's like, and like it's like, no, it doesn't mean that anymore. Well, okay, yeah, it does mean that. But the thing, the thing that I'm thinking about is that South Park gets away with being abs, like they raise awareness of all the issues, and then they pull all the issues down into the dirt on every side and it pisses everyone off but, but they make it funny so that people can engage with it they're like, an equal that's opportunity offender <laughs> yeah and that almost does more to raise awareness than like a world vision commercial hi i'm a famous Absolutely. person fr- i'm a famous person that's you know hasn't gotten a job in you know five years but i'm sure you remember me from that one show that no one remembers anymore please donate to this <laughs> it's well, like what movies was charlie's theron in i can't remember but i remember a lot of commercials <laughs> i remember charlie's theron anyway i'm married <laughs> <laughs> but uh and, and this is I think South Park's really interesting in this regard They're because fascinating. we should do a whole episode just on South Park. Yeah, and we should try and get them on. <laughs> Sociologically speaking, they actually look at things that need to be discussed, sort of like we're trying to do with our channel, and they talk about them just point blank and very uh, adroit. <laughs> yeah, and they intentionally drag it through the dirt. Um, like uh, the last of the Mohicans. Yeah. The um, that was just too funny. Their, their, uh, their, their, their COVID special is really interesting. But, um, and I think what happens is because they are talk, ta- telling, talking about these things in a very honest, but also, you know, humorous way that we can almost trust them more because they are criticizing it. But at the end of the show, they always end up either being completely nihilistic about it or they'll have presented both sides and say, you know, whatever, you're an individual, come up with your own decision. You're not watching South Park to learn which way to go. And like, if you look at something like The Simpsons now, which has definitely become politically partisan Mm -hmm. uh, to a, just, it's unwatchable now. And- um, It's pukey. And they'll just be like, oh, this is great. And then they'll like have the characters do something or say something. It's just like, you're not being honest. You're just presenting one opinion, telling me it's good and telling me to laugh. Whereas South Park is more, here are the issues. They're both stupid. Come up with your own thing. Why are you even taking us seriously? We tell poop jokes. South Park (laughs) presents the conflict itself. Like they don't just bring up the issue just to have a topical yes. thing to mention, just to, to have something to write about. They actually have structured episodes around the conflict itself. And, and I think that's what makes them so important because in the process of laughing and watching and hearing people out, what you're doing is you're getting a background of characters and types of people. You know what I mean? Like they use, they use, um, my uh, thing is Al Gore. They're both, they're in both shows. And in, in in the Simpsons, he's just I'm Al Gore. Now in his first one, he was all like um, man bear pig. Well, in in, the, in South Park, he was like I'm super like he's not the serious serious character. It's like I'm swear God, this man bear pig it's coming. It's like because his inconvenient truth was like the the you know the world's gonna be an ice ball or it's gonna the be global warming. It's gonna get us existing. this this boogity boo. I'm not gonna show you any stats. 
But in The Simpsons, he's definitely more of a. Well, in the 90s, he was a uh, punching bag. And there's that one scene, it's like, oh, look, it's Al Gore. And it's just like, you are hearing me talk. It's just this boring <laughs> guy. But he comes on again. That was politics in the 90s. That's what yeah. it sounded like. And he's definitely in there, but he's treated more sympathetically. And I think that is a very um, good representation of the two different dynamics of this because uh one of them pokes fun and i like how you said that it gets to the source of the conflict and and i just kind of lost my train of thought there (laughs) yeah i I just i think it's important that they get to the conflict itself though because that's what makes people ruminate Nobody's mm-hmm. going to ruminate on just the mere mention of something that's controversial. They're just going to say, oh, that's that thing I keep hearing about that I don't want to talk about. Well, if you but give someone an answer. mentioning the conflict, yeah. the thing that we dare not say when we're talking out in public or in front of people or in groups or at school or at work, like to say that which should not be said is important. That's what they do well. And what Simpsons doesn't do well is actually flesh out any conflict. All they do is draw the yellow version of a human being and just have yeah. them stand there and not do anything. Yeah, and uh, well, it's it's one of them asks the question. Well, one of them tells the approved answer. Here's the answer. Say this. This is what's approved by uh, the the politically correct at the current moment um, in the um, uh, the Lipman public opinion style, but. Now, when we when you when you give someone the conflict itself, they'll they'll have they'll, they'll be forced to think about well, what when you force someone to make their own opinion by showing them the conflict and making them say, okay, this this is one side, it's stupid. Here's the other side. It's also got its stupid stuff. Come up with your own, and it forces them to form their own opinion and say, I think this, and then. What's hard about that is that someone else is going to come up with another opinion and all of a sudden you have to have a conversation. You know, all that thing that these uh, these kids coming out of university want to have, we have to start a conversation. Well, if people have opinions, you have to. You can't just say, oh, I believe in this. Oh, I also believe in this. And then everyone pats each other in the back. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Conversation means it has to be uncomfortable every now and then. In Mm -hmm. order for there to be free speech, people have to have opinions other than your own. If If you want to be a unique individual flower and snowflake and, you know, special in your own life, you have to accept the fact that there are other people who are going to think different. And that means you have to hear it. You can't just have conversations with yourself and then pat yourself on the back for being open. <laughs> and I think that's what we're missing a lot in our politi- our social and political discourse. When we're banning um, speakers from universities and schools, and when we're not uh, when we're teaching and grading people on prescribed beliefs rather than thought out, fleshed out ideas. Mm-hmm. Like when we're not having conversations that are controversial because we're too scared, and where we self censor ourselves because you know we might slip on camera and somebody might notice that we're human or have a bad idea here or there, like. That, that type of fear and self-censorship, it does the opposite of what raising awareness is supposed to be. It does the opposite of making people more aware. And when we're raising awareness just for the tax credit or for the glory or if we're doing it just to help ourselves sleep at night and feel better as people, it's not to say that those efforts are wasted or useless or worth nothing. But anybody who's got the intention and the drive and desire to to make their lives more meaningful than they are currently should be able to invest a few minutes to understand what they're donating to 
where they're donating their money, where the greatest need is, and maybe even go lobby to their their city councilors and say like, hey, why isn't there more low low income housing if we've got a homelessness issue and we've got all these new developments being built? Like mm-hmm. we should be holding people accountable to do their jobs. And we need to do that in the proper way. And that takes some education. It means you have to read up on like how cities work and, you know, civics classes are hard. They're boring. And, but that, that's how civilized society works. And I can't remember who the quote is, but there was a quote from somebody saying that you can judge a civilization based on its, uh, on how it treats its prisoners, something to that effect. I think another way for, uh, a high functioning society to judge itself is based on how it spends its tax money. Uh, how we set our budgets is really important. Biden said something like that too, actually, when he was campaigning, he said, show me your budget and I'll tell you what you value. Don't tell me what you value. Cause they're just going to say, Oh, I value equality and peace and blah, blah, blah. But all their money's going into like war and extortion and pillaging. And you know so- what I mean? Um, the quote was, the degree of civilization in a society can be judged by en- by entering its prisons. And that was Fyodor Dostoevsky. Oh, and uh, on him already. <laughs> I think um, what you said there is actually a really good summation of what mm-hmm. we're talking about. And it's a good place to uh, end on. Even though uh, we neglected a couple of things, we might have to come back to this another day. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm turning, my brain's turning into a bowl of oatmeal again. Mm, um, so porridge <laughs> so um i don't really have anything much more to say what you said there was actually oh, nice if if you'll indulge me i'm just going to make a couple final thoughts then okay um one is on mental health the point of raising awareness for mental health isn't just to raise money it's really important to recognize that people who harm you out in your day-to-day life or in public might have mental health problems and they're not at all intentionally trying to cause harm or hurt you. And it's not an excuse for their actions. Doesn't excuse or absolve them of any culpability for, for being, you know, generally asocial or antisocial in their behavior. But it's an explanation. So it should be less harmful, sort of like we talked about in the meanings episode. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was about, um, um, disaster relief. And since the, Hurricane Katrina was the first time I ever noticed that it was a really big problem, but FEMA not acting when a black neighborhood was flooded, it was, it's just traumatized me. And I, I worked for Salvation Army's call center and the way that they manage their money and their funding and all of their donations and the way the CEOs walked around the city in first class, everything and tuxedos, it was appalling. Um, the World Trade Center before that was Red Cross giving all this money to companies in the buildings and not at all helping the firefighters and police officers and their families at first, like huge chunks of the money that was donated to Red Cross went towards helping businesses rebuild, like from an office, the lowest cost margin you could possibly have in the most expensive city in the world. Mm -hmm. Those people weren't struggling to pay rent in the World Trade Center. And instead of helping people, they were well, helping business. You get someone like, um, was it John Stewart recently who uh, went on that campaign to help the uh, the rescuers who have been dealing with like COPD and all the dust inhalation that they haven't mm-hmm. had any uh, help since 9-11. And he had like his, this is actually a good example of a good campaign yeah. uh, where he said, this is the problem. Here's what I need. I've got the clout, which is why I'm here and I believe in it. And that I'm using my clout. Like it's very transparent about it. It's like, I'm famous. 
yeah. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I believe in. And it was actually quite commendable of him because he actually got it done. And uh, he's uh, helped a lot of people with that. Um, similarly, yeah, I really like to encourage that because yeah. that type of behavior is benevolence. Well, I'm not famous though. What can I do? I don't have that kind of club. Well, you have other things that you can do. Like we all have a talent. He had fame and yeah. uh, a name. We all have something, uh, even if it's just two hands. And that's um, where being part of the community or just talking to like community leaders, like um, community centers or churches, even if you're not part uh, members of them, you can go there and talk to the people in the office that organize the churches and the community centers. And you can ask them like, can, can I help clear snow on the rink so the kids have somewhere to play instead of going off doing drugs and breaking into cars, like stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to get noticed to do something good and you don't need a tax credit to be good either. It could be like a Disney movie and you just go over and be like, you saw you doing drugs. Guess what you're doing? You're <laughs> playing on my hockey team. Now this is not a choice. It's like, Oh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's my little rant. Cause I just wanted to make sure we mentioned it because it was so important, even though we we're not doing it any justice by giving it the time of day, but you no. know, disaster relief causes and, and, and uh, health problems. Totally so, worth raising awareness for. Yeah. But the right way. Don't do it wrong. Actually yeah. think about what you're doing and the objectives and the goals and make sure that like your actions and behaviors are conducive towards getting you to those goals and objectives and not just like making somebody rich. <laughs> yeah. As small as you are, your actions matter. That's right. So um thanks for watching guys there may be a follow-up episode to this so stay tuned if you have any comments we would love to hear them good or bad uh they'll probably be deleted if you put like visit my website um but other than that we'll be happy to hear from you mm, um, like share and subscribe it's the best way to support free content is just to spread the word on it raise awareness raise awareness for frivolous gravitas <laughs> see you guys ciao